Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. In a moment, Anthony's going to come and he's going to be speaking to us on Refresh. But before we do, please can I ask you to either get out your Bibles or turn them on, as probably most people have, and to go to Psalm 23. And we're going to read this psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So good to see you all. We're in a series, as Louise said, called Reimagine. As we plan and we dream into what Ivy's going to look like in the future, the places we're going to go, the places we're going to gather, the places we're going to reach now and in the summer and beyond that. And our starting point, as we've heard, is some material that's been put together by the Anglican Church to help us, because I looked at it and thought, this can help us too, to discuss and pray and plan as we go forward in new ways as church. So we're looking at that material here on Sundays, but also in grow groups. And I'm already getting really good feedback from the grow groups that started it. I know some people had half-term holiday, but um, I've had people getting in touch with me saying how helpful it's been for them to look at these things together as grow groups. And the framework, week by week, is that Psalm 23 that we just had read to us, probably some of the most loved words that have ever been put together and sung in so many ways as one of the most beloved hymns and choruses. I've read those words at the dedication of children and at countless funerals. I've read them at the bedside of the sick and at weddings. The words have spoken to me personally when I felt like I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death and when I've tried to help somebody else to understand this God that I believe in and who he is and what he's like and I've tried to help other people to understand that. Quite often I've turned to Psalm 23 and talked about the Lord and so many different situations and settings I've found that somehow Psalm 23 just fits in so many ways. 115 words that unpack I think the first three which are the Lord is. Who do you think the Lord is? He's not an angry policeman waiting to uh, get us and catch us for doing something wrong. He's not an uncaring judge who's asleep on the job and doesn't care about righteousness. He's not an unpleasable parent. He's not an impersonal force. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Not even a shepherd. This is personal. This is me, I can make him mine. The Lord can be my shepherd. He can be your shepherd. And that sounds really lovely until I realize that kind of makes me a sheep. Because I don't know if you've ever seen sheep, but they're not the brightest animal on the farm. And, uh, you know, let's be honest. Did you ever see a sheep doing tricks on TV? Or performing in any way, if you like? Uh, they're not terribly brave. They don't seem to um, 
know what they're doing a lot of the time. They can't stay clean. They, and they can't get themselves clean when they're dirty. They can't really take care of themselves. And I listen to all of that and think about that, and I think, oh yeah, I'm a sheep, actually. <laughs> Thank goodness the Lord is my shepherd. The psalm says I shall not want, but then I think about all the things that I want, all the things I think I, I should have answers to or know about or the things that I want in, in, in my life. And then I have to learn and think, well, actually, I'm not the shepherd here. I'm the sheep. And so I'm going to trust the shepherd. And when I do that, I discover again that he looks after me and he gives me not everything that I want, but everything that I need. Sometimes, as a sheep, I get worried. That was a joke, but kind of a really bad one. And um, my, my sheepiness can lead to sleeplessness until I remember... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's got good places for me to be in. He leads me to those places. We talked about that last time, last week, if you've not already watched it, about how we can not just react to what's going on, but we have to take time to reflect by the still waters. He leads me beside still waters, or literally quiet waters. And if I make space for solitude, if I make space for silence, if I make space for reflection then you, find, you kind of hear him saying, be still and know that I am. I'm, I'm still God. Last week, we made space for reflection. Lots of us met in different ways physically, in various places, to some of the places we've met before even as well, to give thanks for the ways that the Lord has led us in the past and the places that we've been in. And we look back with gratitude at the ways in which he's led us in the past and we looked around with um, again with gratitude at the faces of some community that we've been able to build in different places too and we were saying we want to look forward in faith because we believe that the Lord is still our shepherd he's still going to be leading us we're still going to this is just a part of Ivy's long history and for me this week has been busy sifting through CVs among other things and sitting on various panels interviewing brilliant people who applied for various jobs that, that we've got, four new appointments that we, you, you should have seen. We've been advertising widely in order to be able to strengthen and add into our team as we plan for more impact and more growth in the future. We're not looking to scale back. We're not looking to shut things down. We're looking for how in the next season we do move forward. And I was absolutely thrilled by the standard of the applicants. And in the weeks ahead, as those people um, speak with the people perhaps that they've already got employment with at the moment and share those things, we're going to let you know and introduce you to some of these people, some of whom you'll already know, some of you as well, who are coming and, and feeling the call of God to join our team to strengthen us in the future, to be able to be more of a blessing to you and to the world around us. And I was just amazed at this the calibre of the people who, uh, who applied. And so we, you know, we make, we've made appointments. We're going to be kind of rolling those out as we are able to. But you know, we, we're going to have some help to, to steward the finances even better than we have been doing, even though we do really, you know, want to, we always want to do that really well, but it's some more help, additional help to do that, to support the youth work to females even more, to ignite the mission of the Cheadle Hume campus and to have a centre manager who's going to help to direct all of the ministries and all of the ways that that's going to reach its community and to take our children and families' work 
to a whole new level across the board, even though so much of it has already been brilliant. As Katie left, we've kind of reimagined and restructured and rethought about the whole of that. It's going to be great. It's really going to be great. And we're dreaming bigger than ever, bringing it all together to move forward in big, bold, expansive ways. And, and as Louise said to us before, uh, when we were praying together, Hannah had a dream. Some of you know Hannah, and she had a dream just last week, uh, last Friday night. And, and in it, she saw Jesus. It turned out she realized afterwards it was Jesus. And she didn't realize at the time, but he was just sitting there in the center of the room. People were all coming up with all kinds of questions and asking, what's going to happen here? How is that going to work out? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he was just laughing. And he kept on saying, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And he was like, fully in control. Do you believe the Lord is in control? Yeah. Do you believe he's still sovereign? I mean, that's what it boils down to in the end. What we believe has to, you know, whatever we think in the end when we're Christians, we have to believe. And, we have to, and I, I believe that dream because I believe Jesus. I believe it's going to be great. I believe it's going to be brilliant. I believe that dream. I believe our good shepherd never, ever leaves us, but he leads us. And he leads us beside still waters. But then again, if you look further on, it says that he promises literally to lead us on the correct paths. The paths of righteousness literally is the right path forwards. He leads us on the right way for his name's sake. He restores my soul. The Hebrew word there is shub and You could use the word refresh, you could translate it as that instead. He refreshes me. That's the next word in this series of materials that we've been looking through. And we're in week two right now of this Church of England Reimagine series. So we're encouraging you, think about that word through the week. If you're doing fast till five Fridays, as some of us, I just did it myself on Friday, I was thinking about the word reflect. I was praying on that, on, on that word and reflecting on the word reflect and, and about the scriptures that we'd looked at again. And this week, maybe on Friday, you know, don't wait till Friday, but you can think about what's the Lord wanting to refresh in you? How does he refresh you? And you, know, you get refreshed as you drink his word and, and as his spirit comes to you. But also that word refresh can be like a, a word, as we've, the way in which we've done it, is like it's a, it's a refresh like on a computer screen or when your phone's not working and, you, and it's stuck and you kind of go, okay, now I need to refresh that screen. It needs a refresh. And, uh, and I think you know, it was like it wasn't quite working the way it should. Let's refresh it. And that's really what we're looking at today because as we've been saying, we're not the only Church, we're certainly not the only organization that has had to reconfigure, that has had to restructure as we hopefully emerge in, into the next iterations of being God's people. You know that as well as I do. Anybody, whether you've been working in and in, in being paid for it or as a volunteer, every organization has had to look at how you press refresh and restart in this next stage. So we're going to keep on talking about that. And we want to talk with you about it because we want to listen to your thoughts and ideas. But do you know what? More than anything else that I want, and I think hopefully what you want, I want to hear the Lord. I want to hear the Lord leading us too. I want to hear the voice of the shepherd so we know that he's leading us on the right paths. And we just stick close to him on the right paths. And then it's for his name's sake. It's not for our name's sake. It's not for the sake of the name of Ivy. It's for him. And I believe he has great things in store for us and it's going to be great. It really is. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He also said, my sheep hear my voice. That should be an expectation for us. If you say you're one of his sheep, you can take that promise to the bank. Actually, you should be expecting to hear the Lord speaking to you. 
And actually, when I look through the Bible and, and, and look at some of the most famous stories and character and instance in the Bible, you look at the Lord leading his people in all these different times. And actually, I've found in the wilderness times, the kind of posh word for it is the liminal times, the, the spaces between what was and what is going to be. And there's often a gap between that. But in the gaps, the Lord speaks. And the Lord actually speaks sometimes more clearly and loudly in those places. And he meets with them in the rest of life when sometimes we, we kind of can just be so busy and distracted we don't even take that much time to listen. But he does guide and he does provide and he assures us that he'll give us what we need and he'll give us what we need to know. And what we need to know more than anything is this. He will be with us. That's it. When Abraham was old, God called him to step out from the place he was in, a place called Ur, which I always think is like a bit of an indecision sort of place in some ways. It literally isn't, but it reminds me of that. And he gets called to step out and to go into a place that I'll show you. That's it. He doesn't get like the directions and the map and the future and, and the conditions if you want. You know, he just he hears this word. And at the time, he's really old, but he, he steps out. And as a result of that, he gets brought to the place God wants him to come to. And he gets called the father of faith because that's what faith looks like. Joseph held on to his dream when he was in the pit, when he was in the prison, and when he was in the palace. God was supernaturally with him and blessing him and speaking to him and helping, other, him, helping him to hear other people who got to hear God through him too. No matter what was going on, no matter where he was. After the people of Israel left Egypt, they, they come out of slavery, they're going into the promised land, they cross the Red Sea, and it should have taken them about 10 days to get into the promised land. But instead of that, many of you know this, they went through 10 testings instead. Because most of them, the vast majority of them, rather than going, they grumbled and they moaned and they said, we want to go back. And, and they ignored the voice of God saying, now, here's what I want you to do. Even when that voice thundered on the mountaintop, even when there was fire and cloud and, and, and they, the people didn't listen to that. And as a result of that, 1 Corinthians says, most of them perished in the desert. And he said, and he said this, these things were written as a warning for us so that we would be instructed. The Lord who is our shepherd spoke again to David to lead him out of the cave of Adullam. The Bible's full of these times and places, these liminal spaces between what we can see and what we can't see what's next. And the Lord speaks and leads us. And I love it like as that chorus, one of my favourite songs says, I can't see it all, but I've seen enough to know. Oh, you are faithful. That's it. I can't see it all. But I've seen enough to know, Lord, you are faithful. Have you seen enough yet to know that the Lord is faithful? In the room, anybody? Yeah, I think I've seen enough to know the Lord is faithful. That's actually what I need to know. And when I, when I forget that, then I end up like a lost sheep again. Good job we've got a shepherd, isn't it? The Holy Spirit took Jesus and literally threw him out into the desert. He threw him out into the desert, into the wilderness, to be tested before his ministry started. But then he comes out in the power of the Spirit. The same Spirit spoke to Peter on a rooftop. The same Spirit spoke to Peter, uh, to Paul in his prison cells. The same Spirit spoke to the Apostle John. The Lord Jesus himself appears on the island of Patmos and he speaks so loud and clear, it knocks him over. It's like a megaphone. 
louder than a megaphone. So yes, we believe God speaks. Yes, we believe God leads. Yes, we expect that God will lead us and that he will speak to us, even louder in times of crisis because everything's kind of changed. But one thing never changes. Nothing's changed. The Lord is still God. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And if he speaks and we listen, then we can follow. So of course... Legitimate question. Lots of people are asking, what kind of church will we go to in the future? And, and we already have some plans that we're rolling out and we're putting kind of more detail on around more and more ways that we're going to meet and gather in different places. We're going to be definitely meeting in here, in Didsbury and also in Cheadle Hume uh, through the summer as things start to open up. We're doing these things, we're looking to call it like pop-up church that we're going to do through the summer. And I want to say more about that because we need your help and we need people to not just come along and see if they like it, but to serve on teams. And if you stay connected on Ivy's Facebook page and and get the email newsletter, you'll be a hundred times better informed about what's happening there than I can give you during these times if you just watch the talks on Sunday or listen back. This is to help you get plugged in and feel connected in community. But looking even further than what's going to happen in the summer or into the autumn, as part of this package of this Church of England Reimagined series, they have like some leaders' notes that they've put in with it as well. And there's a document for leaders called The Church of Tomorrow Emerging Themes. And I looked at that and I thought, well, you know what? This is a church full of leaders. So we're not just going to hold on to that and not talk about that, and a few of us talk about it. And I thought it basically has you know, 10 themes that it talks about. I'm going to quickly run through them for the future. And it's really interesting when I read this. This is this body of Christians that got started in 1536 when Henry VIII wanted to give his wife the chop and marry his mistress. And it's steeped in historical traditions and structures and buildings. And they recognise that this COVID time is not just a little blip in that long history, but that things really have to change. Because as, even as Pope Francis said, and I saw this quote in the wing, reposted it, we're not living through an era of change, but a change of era. You know, have we realised that yet? We're, see, we're not the only church that's having to face changes. We're part of the church, the body of Christ. And I won't read all the detail, but it's interesting that if you read the Ivy Case for Change document that we put out for the staff team, and everybody got to read a few weeks ago, and we hadn't seen any of this when we put that together in January, but the language to me links up in so many ways. It makes me ask the question, what's the Spirit saying to the churches? What's the Spirit saying to the churches right now? And are we listening? And remember, you know, if there's any Anglicans watching, I'm kind of officially still one too, so don't get me. But this is the Anglicans, you know? This is like, what? I used to wear the robes and the dog collar and all of that kind of stuff. I was ordained in a cathedral. So I know, even if you don't, how huge this actually is for them to be putting this kind of stuff out. And uh, this is what they're saying, really. These 10 themes are saying, if the church of the fu- is to have a future... If the future is to have a church, it has to come to terms with what's changed. And the church needs a refresh. Like most denominations, the Church of England has seen dramatic, devastating decline for decades. The so-called national church dipped not long ago to below 2% of population before covid So those who are not burying their heads there, no, they can't just carry on the same. So just the headlines of the themes that they say have to happen if the church is to have a future. 
Number one, it says it must be less about buildings and institution and more about relationships. That's huge. My last church in Surrey was an 11th century building with Sir Walter Raleigh's head under the organ. It, you know, but God does not dwell in temples built by human hands. Just because you have a holy building doesn't mean you're going to end up building holy people. And the question here then really is what do you invest in? Because that reveals your priorities. Do you think, do you actually really think the church is a place you go to? Because Jesus never said that. That's a construct that's come well after it, that church would be a place for people to go to. Do you focus more on buildings or building relationships? Because everything's going to go one day anyway. The focus, this is what they say, I'm quoting the document, the focus will be more on being the church than just going to church. I want to come back to that because it's massive for us too. A change of mindset for many of us who actually don't realise how traditional we are in our thinking because we've been steeped in church like this through most of our Christian lives. Number two, they talk about a hybrid model of participation. Quote, both in-person and virtual gatherings are here to stay. Many churches will have online members from different communities. Now, the thing is with online too, the amazing thing is that people connect online, but then they come and often want face-to-face too. We've got people here in the building right now who are coming in Didsbury. We found this most weeks. We've had more people who've been visiting who never used to come to this but have found us online during this time and have decided that they want to come and, and check out Ivy. And so that's an interesting one. Number three, churches will be more community-oriented. Quote, inward-focused churches that exist primarily for their current members will diminish. Outward-focused churches that embrace their communities will flourish. We've seen it already. We've heard it today. B. Mersey Bank, the ongoing community shop at the message as well. That means they're going to start a church, and it's a church for the people who are, who've been coming through the shop. They want to help to disciple all these people who found love, who found somebody who cares, somebody who's interested, and, and, and somebody who's recognised them and given them dignity and, and help them. And, and then they're asking the questions, why do you do this? Why are you helping us? These people who are coming off Withenshaw and they're coming to Jesus. And you know, if you want to get involved as a volunteer at the shop, fantastic. But you know, they're asking us, and I've had conversations with Andy Hawthorne and they've said they want to start like a, a gathering in the, the, the Sharston building and to, to really disciple these people who are finding Jesus and are now looking for people to belong to as well. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't we? They already have over 2,000 members at that shop who are hungry for the gospel. Andy just tells me the stories. He says, so, so far, over 200 of them have committed their lives to Christ. In that shop alone, these community shops are happening all over the country. And he says, it's so often that it's just people in tears saying yes to Jesus. Jane and Simon Sullivan's recent Four Points course through the community Facebook page originally had eight engagements. Last week it had grown to 228 people wanting to do the Four Points, learning about Jesus. Fantastic testimonies. These people need other people who say they know Jesus already to come alongside them and help them to grow and help them to come into their inheritance in terms of everything that they've got. 
that Jesus has got ready for them. And so some people, actually some people who've been through Ivy's microchurch training are involved with this, are going to be uh, are going to be starting this. And if you feel that you're called to be able to go and serve in that way, we love it. We are so with it and we're praying for it and get involved. Number four, the clergy lay people divide will disappear. Wow. As somebody who, as I say, is still ordained in the Church of England, you need to know how seismic that statement actually is. Some people here are making really bold statements, giving away their power and their position as a result of that, in order to be able to raise up other people. In our parlance, we'd call this the model of having a pastor leading churches kind of fading away. It's not just going to happen overnight. I'm not saying that every church in the Church of England is going to go, oh, whoopee, let's do it. See, we don't say vicars, but we end up often with the same kind of thing. And it says they will still have paid leaders, but their jobs will, quote, take a coaching and discipling role, being encouragers and equippers of the congregation for their work of ministry, i.e., and they list some of them, leading and planting churches, overseeing ministries, and being focal points of mission in their communities. We've had it all backwards, I think, in so many ways. We've ended up creating the kind of church that Jesus and the early church never envisaged. I'm not saying it was all wrong. God's blessed it and there's been some amazing stuff. But this is a shift in terms of going back to a more biblical form in so many ways. Number five, gospel confidence will grow. Mine is. Mine certainly is. Quote, as we slowly emerge from COVID concerns, people will be even more hungry for good news. Like we just heard from Heather. Evangelism will be about disciples making disciples in their everyday lives. We've been saying this, haven't we, for ages. They've been reading our stuff. I don't know what's going on. Something's going on. But I have to pause there and I have to talk about gospel openness. I just think so many people are so ready right now for some good news. If we get out more. I used to carry around little tracks all the time. And I made these OMG cards as well. Sometimes I give those away if I got talking to somebody about Jesus. But what I found actually, it happened less and less over time. And I'm not convinced it was because they were less interested. I think it was because I got a bit too busy. And very often before along in church, you end up talking with your church friends about the God stuff. And you don't talk with the rest about them. And um, the other week... I saw something called the Pocket Testament League. And um, it's where you write off and you get some nice-looking little Gospels, Gospels of John, and you pray for a chance to kind of give it away to somebody else. There's various of them to hear the good news. You don't just kind of dob them out on the street like you know pizza flyers to people. It's that you've had a conversation with somebody... And I, so I thought, in faith, I'll get a box of 30. And the way it's been going, they might last me all year. You know, um, and I got the box, I think it was about 11 days ago. And do you know what? Every day except one since. And that one day I was so busy answering emails most of the time and fighting fires. I never actually got out of the house. Every day God has brought me across somebody along my path who I have chatted with and listened to. And maybe they tell me their story. And here's what I find. Everybody's got a sad story these days. If you'll stop and listen. Everybody has got a sad story these days. Everybody's desperate for good news. 
They need it more than ever, and they know they need it like never before. And so I've been talking, and I've been with these people, and it's like the Holy Spirit just prompts me. It's like, I bet this person's ready for some good news, and I get out my pocket, and I tell them, and I'll say, here's what gives me hope. Would you like something to read? This is a gospel from the Bible. Would you like it? And do you know what they all say? Yes, please. Yes, please. We've got a box, the amazing Sam, who was mentioned before. I said to Sam, could you make us a box to go out on the wall outside here, the, the church? That just, we just put a box out and we'll put some booklets and booklets in it. And it just has a little sign. It says, interested in finding out about God, free literature. I've seen people stop and open that and get stuff out of it. It keeps having to be refilled. People are interested. People are desperate. Last Sunday afternoon, church was happening on a, on a field in Cheadle Hume. And it was happening when we were singing and when we were worshipping and over there with the sports going on and all that kind of stuff. But for me, church was also happening when Michelle introduced me to a guy that she's met, who she's befriended during the months while that building has been being restored. And, and as David King got up and started to tell us about the history of Ivy, I ended up in a conversation with this man who told me about his wife and how he'd lost her just about a year ago. And we chatted and as we prayed, and I said to him, well, as you walk your dog around here, can I give you something, offer you something that maybe while you're doing that you could read something and about how God is with you and his love? And, and he was like, yes, please. And he said that he came over because he heard the singing and he, he was in his house and he heard the people singing. And he thought, what is that? And he had to come and join us. Yes! Come on! That's church, guys. That's what I, I want it to be. I don't want us to just sing in the church. I want the word. The, the, it's supposed to go out. The fragrance of Christ, the aroma of Christ. So attractive to people to come and be part of it. I don't want to. I don't want just my church friends. I, don't, I like you all, but I don't want to only see you in heaven. You know? There's other people I'm praying for. There's other people I love too. And you've got people who are your friends and your neighbours and your family and you want them to come to know Jesus. This is what it's about. And they're more ready than we realise. Your brother and your sister and your mum and your friend at work and all those people are so ready. And I think we can, I just get this growing confidence. It's got to grow. Number six, more spiritual church than institutional religion. I have to get through this quicker. Faith in institutional religion has been dealt a final blow. This is what they say. The only church with the future will be one that enables people to draw close to Jesus and find his grace in different forms. Small group communities, large group gatherings and online. This week, I had the privilege of going to the Barnabas Beacon Centre for the homeless in this city centre. They invite me sometimes to come and speak in those God slots. And I always say yes because I love it. Just... You know, homeless shelters where I first started to preach because my church wouldn't let me because I was rubbish. And I go along and there's a guy called Captain Stone who, used, who opened up the Salvation Army places and I go and there'd be these amazing people who would be the first people that Jesus would go to. And, and, I, and I gave a testimony and preached a message, but the highlight was a lady I'll call Rebecca who was going to be baptised. They'd never done baptisms there before. This was a first. They're innovating. But she'd come through their Alpha course and she'd heard about baptism. She said, can I be baptised, please? So they'd gone and got the stuff ready for it. And, and then she told her story and she said that she, she'd been homeless for a long time and then finally she was put into this hostel which she describes that it's not a very nice place 
at all. It's a scary, horrible place. But she was in there, and at least she had a little room of her own in there. And then she started to get toothache, and she said for three weeks, the toothache was getting worse and worse, and she couldn't get an appointment to get it looked at, and it was just getting worse and worse. And so on her bed, she started to cry out, God, help me, 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 over and over. And then she says her little dog stood on the TV remote, and somehow on comes this TV thing called TBN. And she's like looking, and this person comes on. This man says, if you want God to help you, cry out to Jesus. Right where you are, he'll meet you. Come and cry out to Jesus and ask him to help you. And he'll wash away your sins and he'll give you a fresh start and he'll help you and he'll heal you. And she was like, yes, Jesus, please come. And then she said, suddenly he was there. And she felt his presence in the room. And she said she was just like, just light invaded her. And Jesus spoke to her and said to her, you never have to smoke again. And she said, I've not smoked then. I've stopped. She said, I stopped smoking tobacco and cannabis from that day. And I've not touched it since. And that was months before. And she said, and then she got up and said, I just, I just, after a bit, I just started running around. I was running around all of the rest of this homeless place. I was saying to everybody, I've been saved. I've been saved. I've been saved by Jesus. And then they sectioned me because they thought she'd gone mad. And five days she was in a psychiatric unit just telling everybody about Jesus, how Jesus had come and how Jesus had saved her. And now a a family, and then somebody was thought, oh, maybe this is real. Maybe she's actually become a Christian. And so they sent someone to the Barnabas Centre who discipled her and helped her and loved her and helped her to understand it, a bit like we want to do with these people through the message shop. And then she was baptised and she came out of the water. The next picture, she just came out of the water and she just said, I'm clean, I'm clean on the inside, I'm clean on the outside. Wow. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better than that for me. I'm like, that's it. That's what I want to be a part of. I want to be more and more of that kind of story. For, you know, I just want to give my life more for that. And number seven, consumer Christianity. Kind of what's in it for me? What can I get from God will decline. Whole life discipleship, which is like, how can I love? Where can I serve will grow. I loved hearing those stories from Mersey Bank. And one of the things that they told me about was how these young people had had connected and they'd heard the gospel and young people said yes to Jesus. There were about eight people during that time who said, yeah, I want to know Jesus. Amazing. But you know what my experience of the church was when I was growing up? I grew up in a state, I always think when I go on Mersey Bank, I grew up in a state like that. We never saw the church. No, no, it's not true. Around this time of the year, we did, because they did this thing called the Wit Walks. And the church finally would come out of its buildings on the Wit Walks. And my dad worked nights, 12-hour nights in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a mill. And my mum worked eight-hour days. They never saw each other very much, but they did still love each other. And, 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 and then on the Wit Walks, this the church would come and there'd be a band and they'd come down our street really loud and wake us all up. My dad would hate it because he's on nights. And then they'd bang on the door and there's this guy called Father Basin who was the vicar and he would come and he'd ask for money. And then they'd go. And that's what I thought the church was growing up. These people who come and get me dad cross and ask for money. Little wonder I wasn't that attracted. And I've sometimes thought, what... Whenever I hear about a young person giving their life to Jesus on one of these estates, I think, how could my life have been different if somebody had moved out of a church building and just come and told me that Jesus loved me? Because all of my regrets in my life, the massive big screw-ups, were from about the ages of my early teens until I was 21 when, I, when somebody finally did tell me about Jesus in a way that I could understand. I didn't know I had a shepherd. If I'd have known I'd had a shepherd, I wouldn't have got as 
messed up and lost as so often I did. If I'd have known, if somebody had told me I've got a shepherd, guys, people need a shepherd. People need to know the Lord is their shepherd. Don't just make him my shepherd. He can be your shepherd. Simple faith practices that enrich lives will grow faith rather than make Christians busier. We get really busy in church. But let me introduce three of these. I believe the Lord showed me this week as I prayed. Because all this discipleship pathway with all of its D's and all these series with all its R's, I know it's too much, too much for me. I wanted to make it simple. Three things. And I love the B Manchester in the past. We talked about B and the B. The, we are Manchester. <laughs> and this, you know, the B, etc. And I thought the three B's came to mind for me. And actually one of them, Heather kept talking about and she didn't know about this. Make a note of these. Maybe you can remember them. We're going to repeat them in these next few weeks and months as we go into pop-up church as well. Three B's. You can do this. This is what it is. Simple Christianity. Number one, be a worshipper. Number two, build community. Number three, bless where we live. Can you do that? Simple, isn't it? You can remember three Bs. You can meet in gardens. You can meet in a pub or outside in a park or in these short little, these simple pop-up churches. We're going to start here in at Cheadleshume. But we don't have to go to church. What is it for you to be a worshipper wherever you are? Do I need a band for that? You know, I can put on Spotify and listen and be a worshipper as I walk down the street. Number two, what are you going to do to build community? Anybody can tear it down with our words and our attitudes. I want us to be one church as Ivy, wherever we are. And the way that happens is when people make the decision, I'm going to build community. I'm going to go and meet with somebody. I'm going to speak with somebody. I'm going to pray with somebody. I'm going to eat with somebody. I'm going to listen to what's going on in their life. And, and again, because I don't want to be just with my church friends in heaven. We've got to do things that bless our communities, the places where we live, and bring life back and hope back into those places. On your street, in the gym, on the Facebook page, or this, you know, all these different ideas that we want to do. Number nine, online church will be the front door to church. Quotes, for the curious, the unconvinced, and those who want to check Christianity out. We've seen that so much in the pandemic, which for many will lead to a personal, a personal connection with Christ and churches enabling online interaction. We're not just going to abandon the people who found us and connected to us online during the season, so we're making plans for how we can carry on doing both and and having online too. So if you're watching online right now, please put a whoop or a hallelujah or something in the chat. And then finally, number 10. The church of tomorrow will be both big and small. If the band want to get ready to come up, quote... Large, centralised gatherings and services are not dead, but they will not be the whole focus of church life. Larger churches will resource and support smaller churches and more intimate communities too, in coffee shops or homes with simpler structures. See, this is what the Church of England say, the reset, the refresh of the church has to be. What do you think? Very soon we're going to go into like Zoom rooms where you can talk these things through. But personally, there's nothing in here that I don't agree with, just so you know. I echo that last point especially too, because we do want to meet in big ways, as well as small ways. Because I think, you know, we're right at the heart of, of some of the biggest things that God's got going on ever in the city in terms of like Festival Manchester. We want to reach out in big ways, we want to reach schools and businesses and social action. But in the end, it isn't about what we do. It's, it's, it's the B that matters. So why don't you stand if you're able? We're going to pray. And if you're, um, wherever you are, maybe you can 
talk to the Lord about that, those commitments of how are you going to be in this season? Who are you going to be in this season? Will you be a worshipper? Just tell him about that. Maybe put your hand on your heart and set that apart as, you know, how's the church in you doing right now? How's the worship going on? Be a worshipper. Just tell him, Lord, I want to be a worshipper. And I want to build community with my brothers and sisters, with my church family, whatever site they might have gone to or whether they're online or I don't even know them yet. I want to build community. And Lord, I want this to not just contain your glory, but to bless the whole world as you want. So Lord, help me to find ways to be a blessing this week and always. And let your Holy Spirit never, ever be content, but be contained, but be poured out on all flesh in me and through me. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.